Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desire to the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Father, as your word goes forth, it will not come back void, but it will go forth in the power and demonstration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The Spirit of the living God will quicken the word in the hearts of those that hear it. Wisdom will come forth, Father, that we may walk in the light of your love. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we said that in a time of trouble, which is our topic, this is our fourth lesson, so if this is your first night here, you're three lessons behind, you'll have to buy the tapes. But we're discussing overcoming adversity and trouble. And we said that in the time of adversity and trouble, the Father said He would do certain things for us, which we've already discussed, and there's no need to go over them again. But He did say He'd be our refuge and our fortress in the time of adversity and trouble. We could depend on that. He said He'd be our refuge and strength. Also, we said that the believer, although he can expect God to do, the Father God to do what He said He would do, the believer must do certain things and know certain things if he's going to walk in victory and overcome his adversity and trouble. And we began with verse 1 saying that he said, first of all, the psalmist said, the Lord is my light. Or, and I like to say it this way better, Jehovah is my light. Which is really the literal translation, Jehovah is my light. And the word light stands for wisdom, guidance, understanding, direction. In the times of darkness, the psalmist said in the 112th Psalm of verse 4, under the upright there ariseth light, direction, wisdom, or guidance in the time of darkness. So we need to know, number one, that the Lord is, Jehovah is, our light, our wisdom, our direction. Because in a time of adversity and trouble, you can either take the right step or the wrong step. And if you take the wrong step, you'll be deeper in trouble. If you take the right step, it's the step out of trouble. And I find that's the area that a lot of people miss it in not taking the right step when trouble comes. Then we said that the psalmist said, the Lord is my salvation. And that's where we're really at. We, we've talked about the twofold effect of our salvation. And the word salvation is an all-inclusive word that denotes preservation, healing, safety, soundness, and deliverance. So not only is it deliverance from the powers of Satan and darkness in the new birth that we've been born again, but it also denotes a physical, literal physical deliverance from this world, which is the will of God. This world, the, the devil, the flesh, and the world, and all that's in it. Sickness and disease and poverty, worry, fear, confusion, all these things, we have deliverance from them. We said, in effect, you've got to know that part of that deliverance comes through God's Word system. Well, actually, it's all centered around God's Word system, which you must understand and know. And we said that the second part of that would be the deliverance that comes from angels to bring us up to date. So we talked about deliverance that comes through God's Word, us speaking God's Word, and also the deliverance that comes as the angels hear us speak God's Word and cause the deliverance to come, to cause the victory to come, to cause the finances to come, to cause the healings to come, whatever it is that we need to get us out of trouble. So let's stop and... Con well, we'll, we'll just stop 
on the deliverance that comes from angels as we look at this one more example and then we'll move on to the next step. Let's go to the book of Daniel, the third chapter in the book of Daniel. Now remember, we said that angels hearken unto the voice of His Word. Isn't that right? The angels hearken to the voice of God's Word. Well, somebody said that means that God's got to speak to the angels, not us. Well, how many of you got God's Word? You have God's Word in your hand? Did you ever hear it say anything? I put it by that microphone right there. What do you hear? Nothing. But I'll tell you what, when I get it in my mouth and start to speak it, then the angels hear. So really, yes, they hearken to the voice of His Word, but who's giving voice to God's Word? We are. We give voice to God's Word in the earth. And uh, they hear what we're saying. Matter of fact, they're listening to our conversation right now. The angels are listening. They're listening to what we're talking about. They're listening to what you're doing in the time of trouble. No, they're not there to make sure that you don't get your results, but they're there to help you out of that trouble and to bring deliverance. But, if we start speaking like the children of Israel did when they came to Kadesh Barnea and when they were to enter into the promised land, which we'll touch in the next part of this series, then the angels will get angry. God will get angry at our voice and the angels will not be able to work on our behalf to drive out the enemy. Because we're speaking against God's word system. Now let me show you what the angel of the Lord did in this situation in the book of Daniel, the third chapter. Now you remember also, to bring it, bring it clearly up to date, that part of our deliverance in the 91st Psalm comes from angels. Because he said, No evil shall befall you, no plague come nigh your dwelling, because he's given his angels charge over you. That's why no evil would befall you. And also in the 34th Psalm, which we'll see here in a minute, in verse 7, he says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about you. Right? Okay, so let's read this and see how, how the angels worked with the words of the three Hebrew children to deliver them. Verse 15. Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And now notice this. Who is th that God that shall what? See, deliverance. We're talking about deliverance. That shall deliver you out of my hands. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, here's what you need to know. Now, I, I, every time I teach this, I go over this again and again. But you need to know the next few words. If it be so. If what be so? If it be so, O king, that you throw us into the midst of the fire furnace. Okay? That's what he's saying. If it be so... That you're going to throw us into the furnace. Now look at what he says. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Underline is able. Ability is not enough. From the burning fire furnace. And he will. Underline it. He what? Deliver us out of your hand, O king. Does that sound like negative talk to you? Or does that sound like they know their God? Sounds like to me, they know their God. I mean, I know that Jehovah is able. I mean, everybody that has any kind of sense knows that God is able to do anything. Well, when I say anything, anything that won't disagree with His Word. He's not going to lie, you know. He's not able to do that. So, we know that He's able to deliver us, but these people said He will. And let me paraphrase. King Nebuchadnezzar, you throw us in the midst of that fire furnace, 
And the God that we serve not only is able, because he, they, he, the king asked and said, who's the God that's able to deliver you from this? Because they want him to bow down and worship his God. False God. And the three Hebrew children said, no, no, no. The God that we serve is able and he will. I like that kind of talk. He's able and he will. Now that's my kind of talk. Faith talk. Well, look at verse 18. But if not, now he's not saying if he doesn't deliver us. I mean, that would be stupid. And some people translate that like he's saying, but if he doesn't deliver us. He's not saying if he doesn't deliver us. They just said he's able and he will. But he's saying if you don't throw us into the fiery furnace, then be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your God, nor worship the golden image which you set up. Now, common sense will tell you that if he threw them into the fiery furnace, they wouldn't be worship any, worshiping any God because they'd be burned up. <laughs> right? So he wasn't saying if he doesn't deliver us. Because if you translate it that way, if he, if he doesn't deliver us, that would be really silly to think that I've got thrown in a furnace and if my God doesn't deliver me, now King, I still won't worship your God because I'd be in ashes. Right? So he wasn't saying that. He was saying if, if you don't throw me in, I still won't worship. So do what you want. Well, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's verse 19. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound their coats and hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down and bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. The Nebuchadnezzar the king was a stony and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Underline that. Had no, no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his what? <coughs> his what? Whose angel? Whose angel? The angel of the Lord. You get that? He sent his angel. He sent his angel because of the words of their mouth. Beloved, when you hold fast to God's word and you dare stand up for him, you're going to see when we get done with this, just today's discussion, how these God will go to any length, the Father will go to any length to deliver you from your trouble and adversity. If he has to send his own angel, because he already said the angel of the Lord encamps around about you, Right? Okay, look. Next two words, and delivered his servants. What did they say? They said, he's able to, and he will deliver us. So the Lord sent his angel, and the angel delivered them. They delivered the servants that trusted in him, and would have changed the king's word, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve. Look at why. Look at why. Because they trusted in God and 
would not yield their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own true living God. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their, ha their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. No other God can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. How did they get their deliverance? By an angel, by the angel of the Lord. There's no other God that could deliver after that sort. That same God is the same one that said, I will be with you in trouble and deliver you. Psalm 91, you read verses 14 through 16. Isn't that what he said? He said, I'll be with you in trouble and deliver you. Now, someone immediately says, yeah, but I know brother so-and-so was in trouble and the Lord didn't deliver him. Well, did you hear what brother so-and-so said when trouble came? Yeah, I know God's able, but he'll not do it for me. I'm not good enough. That's how people talk. So what happens? Your angel stands there looking at you like this and says, please, please get on the word so I could deliver you, so I could help you. Otherwise, they're bound. And you know, the Bible says whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. I'd rather loose my angels instead of bind them. Wouldn't you? Loose your angels and let them deliver you. Now, in Hebrews, we already saw, and let's, let's close it right there on angels. Let's go back to the second chapter of the book of Hebrews. <coughs> and verse, well, start with the first chapter, verse 14, then we'll read the second chapter, verses 1 through 4. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? In case you haven't noticed that word for, circle it in your Bible. It doesn't say to them, it says for them. Anybody here have a business of somebody working for you? Do they tell you what to do or do you tell them what to do? Now, not in arrogance. I mean, you don't make your employee do things out of being nasty and being arrogant. It's just, that's just the way it is. And the angels hearken to the voice of God's Word. And we are the ones that are heirs of salvation. And in case you haven't known it, we've been lifted up and raised up above the angels. In salvation. And in Christ. Right? I can show it to you by His Word. Angels and principalities, powers, everything. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because we're one in Him. And all those things are under Him. And subjection to Him. And we are in Him. Right? Angels and principalities being subject to Him, Christ. We are in Him, Christ. Right? So, like I said, we could really do a seminar on this subject, but we're going to leave it because we want to get some other things out. So, we don't make this one, you know, teaching here about six months long. But we want to get all these points in, but give you enough information that you could get and expand upon it yourself. So, let's read this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? They're ministering for you. They are loose by your words. They are bound by your words. Who shall be heirs of what? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Because if the word of an angel was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we what? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a what? Deliverance. In other words, how could those Hebrew boys escape had they neglected such a great deliverance of the angel? How could they have? Many others died. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? How did Daniel escape? The Lord sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions. Amen? So you see, by the words of our mouth, them angels will either hearken to the voice of his word, but if you're speaking negative, if you're speaking doubt, and we already did show you that when they spoke against the word of God, 
the angel of the Lord that went before the children of Israel when they got to Kadesh Barnea was bound and could not des destroy the enemy and let them go into their Canaan's land, land of promise. Even after the Father God said, I will send my angel before you and he shall drive out the inhabitants of the land. But they refused that kind of deliverance except Joshua and Caleb when they entered in. Now let's go back to the 27th Psalm. And verse 1 again. And we find out that not only is Jehovah our light, our strength, or our salvation rather, our light and our salvation, but Jehovah also is the strength of our lives. Number three. He is the what? The strength. Say it with me. Jehovah is the strength of my life. See, we sing songs and we let these things just fly right by. He's not saying that some huge, monstrous wrestler is the strength of your life. He's not saying that the, you know, these great weightlifters and these men that could pick up all kinds of weight is the strength of your life. But the psalmist came to realize and know that Jehovah is the strength of my life. Well, how strong is Jehovah? Well, he created the universe and all that in them is. Put the sun where it's at and told it to stay there, and it does. Spoke the stars into existence and told them to stay there, and they do. Said, moon, do what you're supposed to do, and it does. There is no God like unto our God. Amen. Now, you think he's able to be the strength of your life? He is. Jehovah is the strength of our life. And the person... Let me put it this way. When trouble comes... Trouble usually presents weakness. I mean, when trouble comes your way, your first thought is, there's no strength or there's no ability in myself to, to get the job done. Uh, you're there helpless before somebody who's dying with cancer. How do you feel? Weak and helpless. No ability. What am I going to do about it? If it was a cut, I could put a band-aid on it. If it was something minor, I, I could help. But you see... When we get to a place when there's really trouble and you don't know what to do, it presents weakness. So consequently, most people will strive on that weakness and draw their, their attention will be drawn towards that weakness and they forgot that Jehovah is the strength of their life. Had you known that, you'd have said, yes, in the face of all adversity and trouble. In the face of weakness. Jehovah is the strength of my life. And the psalmist said, even though an army be round about me. Even though the armies of wicked men would compass me round about, Jehovah is the strength of my life. Can you see that if we got a revelation of the fact that Jehovah is the true, truly the strength of our lives... How it means no defeat. Now, I, I've learned to have a good attitude towards God's Word. God's Word, A right mental attitude towards God's Word. If He said it, He meant it. If He didn't mean it, He shouldn't have said it. So, if He said, Jehovah is the strength of my life, then when trouble comes, I could, be rest, I could rest assured that Jehovah must be my strength. Did the psalmist not say, The Father is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble? Psalm 46.1 Okay, then he is. But yet you hear people all the time. When trouble comes, I'm so weak. I can't hold up. I'm not going to make it. But you could hear the voice of the Spirit of God whispering in your ear. Fear thou not. For I am in thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God, the great I am. I will strengthen thee. I will strengthen thee. Jehovah. Yea, I will help thee when you think there is no help. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 
who is Jesus. See, that's what the Spirit of God is whispering to us in our spirits. When adversity comes and when trouble comes and you think there is no way out, you think there is no help, you think all help is gone, you think He's forsaken you, but He hasn't. He's still there. The psalmist knew in his adversity. And it wasn't the petty things that we're confronted with. This man was confronted with a host of men, an army of men, that wanted to kill him and destroy him. But yet he says, and I like the way David said it in the 18th Psalm, which we'll get to that in a second. I have, by my God, I have run through a troop. And by my God, I have leaped over a wall. I'd say he knew the Lord was the strength of his life. But when we sing the song, and I'm not getting on songs, but when we sing the song, you know what we sing? I can run through a troop. I don't like that. You know why? David said, I have run through a troop. There's a difference. See, just saying I can run through a troop, at least you're saying you can. But David says, I've already done it. I have run through a troop and I have leaped over a wall. I like to sing it that way, don't you? By who? By my God? By Jehovah. I have run through a troop. And by Jehovah, I have leaped over a wall. Because in the previous verse, verse 18, 1828 rather, Psalm 1828, he said, Thou wilt light my candle, and the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So when darkness came, the Lord lit his candle. When he lit his candle, he acted upon the wisdom of God. When he acted upon the wisdom of God, he ran through a troop, leaped over a wall. Amen? Let's look at some other scriptures. I want to show you how you could put God's strength to work in your life. Acts chapter 20, book of Acts. Just knowing He is your strength, or, or let me say it like this. Just knowing that the scripture says He is your strength is not enough. Anybody can say the Lord is the strength of my life, but when trouble and adversity comes... We start acting like we don't have any help and we start acting like we can't get our needs met. We start acting like, you know, there's no way out. You see, knowing that the Lord is the strength of your, your life is not enough. It's that when it comes, that trouble comes, you've got to draw from that strength. You've got to know how to grab a hold of it and use it. Let Him be the strength of your life. So in Acts 20, 32, Paul, or, or Luke here writing says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God... And to the word of His grace, now underline this, which is able to build you up. Which is able to what? Or make you strong. You know, you weightlifters out there, you lift weights to be built up and to be strong. Well, what's able to build you up? What did he say? The word of His grace... See, he's commending you to God by the word of his grace. He's leaving you in the hands of the word of God's grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. So, in other words, the word of God is where we get our strength. There's really, there's two sources of strength, two ways. Again, they're intertwined. It all stems from the word of God. But we're going to show you two aspects of that of the use of God's Word for strength. The Word is able to build you up or make you strong. But Ephesians 6.10 says, Brethren, be strong in the Lord. Right? Be strong in the Lord. Strong is strength. And in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What is the power of His might? What is it? Well, you've got to look at Hebrews 1.3. You want me to quote them all to you? Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. That's Jesus talking about. And upholding all things by the word of His... What? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Upholding all things by the word of his power. All he was saying to you was this, brethren. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong and in the power of His might. See? He upholds all things by the word of His power. So if you're going to be strong in the Lord and draw from the strength of God, your first source is God's word. Now that comes through meditation, fellowship in the word. And as you fellowship in the word and you begin to take these scriptures that I've been given to you, the Lord is the strength of my life. By my God, I've run through a troop and I've leaped over a wall. Yes, the Father God is my refuge and strength. I have no fear, for He is in me. I'm not dismayed, for Jehovah is my God. Yeah, He strengthens me. He helps me. He upholds me with the right hand of His righteousness. As you begin to commune with Him, as you begin to meditate upon His Word, as you begin to speak it out like that, you hear the Word. It produces inner strength. I like to say it like this. As you begin to meditate upon that word that says Jehovah is all these things to you, then the Father God infuses His inner strength into your spirit. And it rises up big within you. You get to be something like that. Well, just stop and think about it. How much strength did come out of God's word? Well, the three Hebrew children were so filled with that word and spoke that word in such a way that the strength of fire had no power over them. Someone said, this walk is just for those that are weak. Listen to me. Okay, Mr. Muscles, you got strength over fire? Let me cast you into the midst of a fire furnace and show me how strong you are. All right? Yeah, that's what they said. You know, you're just being a Christian because the uh, economy's bad and you're just being, you know, you're just all weak sissies. Well, I'd like to see him stand on the other side of them three Hebrew children. Of course, he had no strength over the king and all his host and his army. And of course, they had no strength over the fiery furnace. Whose body is stronger than fire? In the midst of a fire, well, it's, it's for sure, the heathen weren't because they all died, didn't they? Without even going into the furnace. But the Father God, through His Word and through that strength of His Word, through standing on the strength of God's Word, them bodies were not subject to fire. And it was so glorious and so radiant, such a shield about them, it didn't even singe their hair. And you, you, you singe your hair burning chicken hair off your chicken. <laughs> If you got hair on your knuckles like I do. <laughs> Amen. But in the midst of a burning fire furnace, the Father God, they drew from the strength of the Father God. You talk about strength? See, they think that this walk is for sissies. I'll tell you something, beloved. I'd rather be a sissy for Jesus and walk through the midst of the fire and not be burnt. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Stand in the face of a, of a lion and not have him open his mouth. You want to talk about somebody who is strong in the Lord and in the power of his night, might? That fellow David. This fellow that wrote that. I'll show, I'll show you this fellow David knew what he's talking about. Go back to the first Samuel. Book of first Samuel. Glory to God. This fellow knew. Chapter 17, first Samuel. Now, I, I, get, I read this, and I don't know about you, but friends, this excites me. I could teach this same thing over and over and over and over. Someone said, you keep on preaching faith. I'll tell you what, I could preach faith 24 hours a day, 7 days, days a week, and go over the same stories, and never. I, I, it just thrills my spirit. Oh, I just begin to shout, just thinking about what they do. Look at, look at what he's, this fellow did. You remember the story. The children of Israel are being defied. The God of Israel, let's say, is being defied by this big fellow Goliath. And uh, he comes and defies the armies of the living God. And uh, Saul, who's a head and shoulders taller than any of the men of Israel, his knees are knocking. He's afraid and doesn't want to go out there and fight this big fellow Goliath. Well, David's sitting under his little old tree... Minding the sheep, 17 years old approximately, 
And uh, he's learned some things about the Father God. He's learned some things about the covenant that his fathers, Abraham, you know, Isaac and Jacob, had with the Father God, Jehovah. And under that little old tree, he had time to meditate. Everybody else was being the big shot, but this guy here, he's under the tree meditating about the Father God. And as he meditates, the Father is infusing his inner strength into this fellow David. Because he's meditating upon the goodness and the grace of his Father God. So while he's meditating there under that tree, uh, well, you know the story that, he, that his father sent him down to take a little lunch for his brothers. But before, and as David reiterates over here, when he's before Saul and Goliath is over there, he's defying and everybody, their knees are knocking and the whole army of Israel is afraid of this big giant Goliath. And David comes to take the lunch and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's, that's defying the living God? And I said, oh, you know, everybody's all afraid and their hearts melted within them for fear. So, uh, he says, I'll fight against this fellow. And everybody listened to the words that came out of this boy's mouth. As a matter of fact, if you back it, well, we're not, we're not getting into it yet. I'll just reiterate some things to you. He said, uh, the fellows that heard the words of David went to the king and took his words. Right? He, they rehearsed his words before Saul. And when all, all Saul was hearing, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This fellow, who's, who's going to fight against this monster? And all of a sudden, one fellow comes up, a little boy, 17-year-old boy, said, he's going to go out there and fight him. And, 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 and Saul said, bring him to me. The words that he spoke were different words than anybody else was speaking. When you walk this faith walk, beloved, you become different to the body of Christ. Yeah. They, I'll tell you what, they want to stone you. That's right. As long as you're flowing with the tide and letting the devil walk, walk all over you, they're happy. Everybody's sobbing about everybody's problems. But when you say you can walk in victory and you can walk in health and you can walk in the power of the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, then everybody gets on your case. And they're waiting for you to fall. That's right. It's sad but true. Well... He rehearsed, they rehearsed the words of David before Saul. And uh, Saul says, bring this fellow to me. And Saul says, you're just a little boy. How in the world are you going to go out there and fight that, that monster that's been, out, been a warrior from his youth? Look at 34, verse 34. Everywhere you see said, underline it, and David said. He must have said words, right? David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now, let's talk about Jehovah being his strength. And, when I, and I went out after him. You think that's just a story? Well, let me see you out in your backyard over here on Penn Avenue. And you're watching your little sheep, the little lambs. And a lion and a bear come into your backyard and take one for breakfast. See, the dawn just broke. You're out there on the night shift. And a uh, lion and a bear escape from the zoo. <laughs> come to your backyard. There you are. Sure, you're just going to just go out there and chase that lion and bear, aren't you? With your little stick. Right? Big old thing. Sure, you're just going to run right after him. This fella chases the lion and the bear. Hey, he did. But he didn't stop there. Look at what he did. He didn't stop there. He chased him. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, the lion and the bear, I caught him by his beard. Oh, David. And I smote him and I slew him. You're not talking about a big, huge, muscular man. You're talking about a little boy. A 17-year-old boy. It was enough he got the lamb. But he caught the lion by the beard. Grab a hold of that grizzly bear. I mean, think about it. 
You want to meditate for a while, meditate for a while on that. But look at what this boy says. This is what he said. Them angels was working for him. You best believe when he grabbed a hold of that thing, an angel grabbed a hold of it in a headlock and just busted his head right open. <laughs> Amen. Angel of the Lord camped out about that boy. He said, boy, I've got to watch this guy. Close. He's a daring little thing. Amen. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you right now, you ever drive me in a car? I put my angels to work. <laughs> Ask Ruth. Amen. And there's no fear when, when you know the angel of the Lord's there with you. Right? Now, I don't excel the speed limit, but, you know, all the time. <laughs> well, let's get off of that. Let's get back to David. Verse 36. Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, this fellow that don't have no covenant with God, you know what the Bible says about a man that has no covenant with God? You know what it says? He's without hope, hopeless, without God, godless, without Christ, Christless. You tell me Christianity is weak? Well, on my team, I got the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and all the heavenly angels. And all you got on your side, on the opposite side, the devil's side, is a whipped devil. And all his demons that don't know where they're going unless he tells them where to go. And he don't know what he's doing anyhow. See? Amen? So now look at this little boy. He, he smote the lion. He smote the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be one of them. Seeing they defied. He defied the armies of the living God. And David said moreover. And as you go on and read it, you find out everything that David said, the angels carried out. Everything that David said, the angels carried out. So the strength came one way or another. Supernatural strength, angels, the Word. Working together to make a little boy be stronger than a lion and a bear and a giant. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never come up against any lions or bears. Let's go to... John 14. <coughs> John 14 and verse 23. Now I'm going to show you the secret to David's inner strength. This is the secret David had to obtaining the strength of the Father God. Not in the degree that we can, can and have but in his limited covenant, the covenant that he had, in his limited righteousness, he knew how to draw from the power of God. Look at this. In John fourteen twenty three, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man will love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with Him. In other words, David knew that Jehovah was with him. We're not just talking about scriptures now. This fella knew through his meditation that Jehovah was right there with him and boldly took off after the lion and the bear. Jesus is saying, if a man loves me and he will keep my words, my father and myself, we will come to his house and live with him. And as he's living with you, I don't know about you, but if you had somebody who, holds, who, who owns all the silver and gold and a cattle on a thousand hills living in your house, would you have any problem with your bills? If you had somebody who had all the strength of the universe, would you have any problems with strength? The problem is knowing that Jehovah is your strength, is your provider, is your healer. And Jesus just said, I'll come and, with the Father and sit in your house with you and tell you all about it. And in verse 21 says, I'll come and manifest myself to you. Jesus said he will. 
That's where David had the insight. He meditated on the strength, on the ability, on the covenant, on the relationship that he had with the Father Jehovah. And because of it, he knew that all that he did, Jehovah, was with him, doing it for him. So what was it to stand against the giant? Nothing. Is a giant bigger than, Jeho- than Jehovah? No. But you see, friends, David knew that the giant wasn't bigger than Jehovah. They didn't. And when I say they, I mean all the armies of Israel who should have known that Jehovah was greater. Didn't know it. But one little boy. And when you walk by faith and you trust in God and you live the faith walk, you're going to be the one out of all the body. When I got saved, I lost a lot of friends. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I lost more friends. But when I started to walk by faith, look out. That's right. I mean, you, you lose fellowship from a lot of the denominational churches when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, right? You lose fellowship with the full gospel churches when you start walking by faith. That's just the way it is. I found that to be true. Talking to full gospel people about faith is like talking to denominational people about the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues when they don't believe in it. Now, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just telling you a fact. To get the faith walk over to somebody even who claims to be Pentecostal, full gospel, is just as hard to speak to somebody who doesn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. But the full gospel people will believe about the Holy Ghost speaking of the tongues, but can't see beyond that. I don't know why they want to stop. This boy here didn't stop. And he was the only one out of the whole army. Can you imagine that? I said that to the Father, if I'm the only one that does it, I'll do it. I'm not throwing in the towel. Are you? Amen. I'm not going to give up. Are you? I'm walking by faith, and I'm going to walk all the way by faith. Now, Let's go to another scripture. And uh, I want to get, I might get this all on one tape. So let's go back to the book of, well, let's go back to the book of Isaiah. We're going to, and uh, the 40th chapter. We're going to, I'm just going to say some things to you before I look at the scripture. Paul said, because he knew the Father and the Son by the Holy Ghost, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. Now, that's one translation of that. You grab a hold of it. I can do all things through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. That's why he said I can do all things. Do you remember over there in Ephesians, the third chapter, in verse 14, where Paul says, I bow my, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your Spirit in our inner man. Strengthened with might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Oppose all things by the word of His power. The word is the source of God's power. All thing, everything is upheld by the word of His power. You are upheld by the word. Heaven and earth will fall away. As long as the word is in me, I'll live on forever. Right? We're upheld by the right hand of His righteousness. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the word of His power. All things are made by Him. So we can be strengthened with mind by His Spirit in our inner man as we meditate on the Word of God, realizing that the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost are living not only in us, but with us. And we draw from His inner strength and meditate on on these great things that we see that He's doing. To a degree that you could walk through a fiery furnace without having a hair singed. And when you walk by the fire, you'll not be burned. We've got scriptures that say that. Amen? And then Paul said in Romans, the 8th chapter, if God be for us, who could be against us? He that delivered His only Son up for us all, how shall I not with Him? Really give us all things? And then He went on to say, Who is He that condemneth? Not the Lord. It's Christ that died for us, yea, rather than is risen from the dead. But I'm convinced not persecution, 
troubles, despairs, calamities, all these things that could come against you cannot separate you from the love of God. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. Through Him that loves us. How could He make such a statement if we're to be defeated in troubles? We're not. Height nor death, principalities or powers can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And He is infusing to us, in us, that inner strength to cause us to walk in it. Look at this scripture. This is a part of it also. 40th chapter, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? Again. Let's hold... Well, I'll just quote you. How many know the scripture in Psalm 103, verse 5, where he says, Who satisfies my, thy mouth with good things, your mouth with good things, that your youth may be renewed like the eagles? Okay, look, look at this. Remember that and tie this in. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? Okay, renew their youth like the eagles. He satisfies my mouth with good things or good words, that my youth may be renewed, or my strength like the eagles. They sh Look at over here. They shall mount up with wings as what? Now notice that both the psalmist and both Isaiah... Refer to the eagle when they refer to exchanging strength. And over here, the word renew, I don't know what your margin says. Mine says change. The literal says exchange. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. David, under that tree, waited upon the Lord and renewed his strength. And what came out of his mouth was good things. And what he took off after the lion and the bear and, and Goliath, his strength was exchanged for God's strength. And God's strength destroyed the lion and the bear and Goliath and all the army that tried to kill him. I've run through the troop. I've leaped over the wall. Let's go and finish this. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He used the eagle for this purpose. And you might want to write this down. Number one, the eagle is considered to be the king of birds. We are the kings of the earth. Right? Jesus is the king of what? He's the king of kings. Well, we're the kings on the earth. We shall reign in life as kings who have made us unto our God kings and priests. Right? Okay, number two, the eagle represents power, conquest, independence, liberty, truth. Now, you got to grab a hold of this last one. Immortality. Immortality. That's why he used the eagle. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. Truth. Immortality. And God's Word in our mouth will renew our youth. Waiting upon the Lord will renew our strength. Or will exchange His strength for our strength. We will draw from His inner strength into our inner man. And when we begin to walk through His Word with that strength, it will be so powerful that... Fire will not be able to destroy the body. Tradition says they tried to boil John in oil, but they couldn't do it. His body wasn't subject to it. These men couldn't be destroyed by the fire of the furnace. And we can go on and on and on and give you all kinds of examples here about this. But let's go to another scripture. To give you... Uh, go, go to the book of Joshua. You've got to see this. We're going to use this to tie in a lot of loose ends as we go through each one of these steps. In the book of Joshua, the 14th chapter. Joshua was a man that waited upon the Lord. Joshua was one of the fellows, one of the two spies, who spoke good things about their taking Canaan's land and not evil, right? Right? 
His mouth was satisfied with good. Right? It says he wholly followed the Lord. Right? Okay. He would not rebel against the Lord and say we couldn't take the land because of the giant. When all the others said we cannot take the land because there's giants in the land and they're stronger than us. Well, the Lord didn't say be strong in your own power, but be strong in my power. Right? Okay, look at this Joshua, or this Caleb, in the book of Joshua, 14th chapter, and verse 10. Years, 45 years have come and gone. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day... Eighty-five years old. All right? Great, Caleb. Notice his mouth was satisfied with good things. Look at this. As yet I am as strong, be strong in the Lord, this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me my mountain. Oh, do I love that fellow, Caleb. Friends, the others spoke against it and died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb spoke good things, agreed with God's word. This 85-year-old man. People don't think, they think if you're 85 years old back then, you wasn't 85 years old like you are now. There's nothing new under the sun. The man's 85 years old. But his secret was he had God's word in his mouth. His secret, he learned how to draw from the strength of God. And his strength did not fail him. At 85, he could say, I could go in and take it. And if you're going and read, you'll find out that he went and took the mountain. Joshua said, are you able? He says, I'm well able. Well able. And he took the mountain. Well, let's, let's close off this on strength uh, by giving you the last or the second part of receiving strength and that is the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our second source of strength comes from praise and joy. Our first source was being strong in God's Word and your second source, which comes by the word, is the joy of the Lord is your strength. Which is why he said, count it all joy or strength when you fall into these troubles. Now, if you want scripture references, and I'll just give them to you now. We'll expound at next meeting. Matthew twenty-one sixteen, Out of the mouth of babes, you've perfected praise. But in Psalm 8, 2, Jesus was quoting Psalm 8, 2, where he said, uh, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected strength to stop and steal the avenger or the enemy. In Nehemiah 8.10 you know that, that he said the joy of the Lord is your strength. And uh, in Isaiah 35.10 we sing the song that the redeemed of the Lord have everlasting joy. Right? Sighing and sorrow shall flee away which we'll see some of these here scriptures. I don't believe we have time to get them all on this tape. But we'll look at some of these scriptures and remember Psalm 22, 3, where Jesus, I mean, where the Word says about His, about the children of Israel, He said, O thou that inhabits the praises of His people, which the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are inhabiting your praise. And again, we've got the strength of the Godhead working for us as we praise. So that's the second source of strength. And we'll close it right there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. 
I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.